0: Moving on, moving on, let let us go out to a team that has surprised me absolutely the most. What kinds of odds do you think we could have gotten before the season if you said at the end of week one, the Utah Jazz would have the best record in the West and would be one of four undefeated teams? It's a pretty good odds. Vegas would give you that pretty easily. People in Salt Lake City would say you were... I don't know, dipping too much into the devil's elixir, a.k.a. coffee. You know, caffeinated sogas. But here we are. A team that blew up their roster in the offseason declared to the world that they were frontrunners to land Victor Wambinyama, to brick for Vic, to play like shit for Vic. And boom, veterans, rookies alike, all decided to blow that shit up and just absolutely ball out to start, to finish for the first three games. Beating not one, not two, but three playoff teams out of the blocks. Minnesota, New Orleans, and Denver. They made Denver look abysmal to the point where I was like, oh, God, Denver might be actually bad. They came back from 20 to beat the Wolves in OT. You didn't even have to do that. All you had to do is go to OT. You could have lost. And then they pounded the shit out of the Pelicans before having to beat them in OT too. Right now, the Utah Jazz, if you can believe it, currently lead the NBA in points per game, threes made per game, assists per game, and points per game, and steals per game. I already said points per game. Steals per game. How, Sway? How? How is this possible? The newcomers are playing very well. Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Colin Sexton. The remaining old guard also very much playing well. Jordan Clarkson is killing it. Conley is good in limited minutes. But really, it all comes down to a man and two words. Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen has been out of this world insane. He wasn't being used well in Chicago, as we know. He got traded, really, for Derrick Jones Jr. There was a pick involved, but that pick was never going to convey Then he was fine in Cleveland, a good piece on an upcoming team. And how has he been now? On the Utah Jazz, a team that was very actively looking to tank, or so we thought. Well, the seven-foot wing player is leading the fast breaks for this team. He's finding his teammates in transition in the open court with really elite passing. Not to mention, he's just been pretty good in every single way when the Jazz beat the Pelicans. A team that many people thought was going to be top three in the West? In that game, my man, Markkanen, had 31 points, which was a game high, including 11 for 11, perfect game from the free throw line, to go with a game high, 12 rebounds. How many seven-footers do you know that go 11 for 11 from the free throw line? Ben Simmons could only salivate over that stat line. I will wait. Will Hardy said this perfectly. Laurie has done everything from guard wings to guard Nikola Jokic. He's handled in the pick and roll. He set some screens. He spaced the floor. As a coach, it's a luxury to have a player that has that level of versatility. This is a player that Nick Nurse would die to have. This is a perfect Toronto Raptors player. Prediction time? Prediction time. It is week one, but I'm here. Laurie Markkanen is not only the most improved player of the NBA this year, that he wins that award, but he's also an all-star for the very first time. Especially, think about this, especially considering Utah is this year's host site for the all-star game. Who else has been balling? Kelly Olynyk, who was like a throwaway, who was literally just like a salary-matching player in the Boyan Bogdanovich to the, trist, uh, to the Pistons move, which I didn't even understand at the time. Sounds like it was a good trade for both sides. He was cooking Zion, cooking him. Jordan Clarkson might be a, a borderline untradeable asset right now, he has been playing really well. You've got Malik Beasley, who was supposedly a cast-off in the Minnesota Timberwolves organization, and that was before Minnesota got good and had Aunt Edwards. I didn't even mention. I didn't even mention Colin Sexton, who off the bench is must-watch. And then you add that with Conley and Vanderbilt and Kessler, and down the road players like O'Shea Akbaji and Johnny Juzang. Like this team is actually kind of low-key, kind of low-key good. The question is, though, as I as I look at this team and watch them, and I mean it sincerely, I'm not even trolling, is, is this version of the Jazz team actually more fun without Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Like, are they actually better? I think, I don't mean like the one seed in the West, but they're definitely more fun. They certainly have more flexibility in how they want to play and who they can guard and who they can match up against they're certainly more intriguing yes and and in an odd way even more deep it's still early baby but this is a team to keep our eye on because i was convinced that they were in the hunt for victor wambanyama and now they're the best team in the west holy
1: shit get the champagne ready the nba finals are here
0: welcome to the nba finals
1: let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing Here's the high-stakes action, to thrilling moments we can't miss. He turns the game at the buzzer! And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bang, bang. The 2024 NBA Finals, presented by YouTube TV, continue on ABC.
0: Another team I did not see coming, and we talked about this with the Locked On podcast, a team that I thought was going to take a huge step back last year, and all of a sudden, they have proved me wrong. It is only two games but things look good, are the Dallas Mavericks. (laughs) They have got to be one of the biggest surprises so far. I was probably one of the many people who didn't think that they did enough to offset the loss of Jalen Brunson, right? Like, who is going to score if Luka's off the floor? Who is going to score if Luka gets hurt? Is it going to be Dinwiddie? I don't know. By the way, Jalen Brunson Brunson, absolutely balling in New York. But here we are. The, the Mavs are a bad three-minute stretch against the Suns on opening night after blowing the doors off of the Suns from being 2-0, and and they blew out the Grizzlies by 30, which, you know, the Grizzlies are a very tough matchup for anyone. Like last year, their defense has been good. It's been a brick wall, and now it's only better with the addition of Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. Monty Williams said this, which I think is totally true about the Mavs, that the Mavs have the kind of length Other teams dream about. He's talking about himself. That was a shade, shady shot to DeAndre. Eight. Anyway, moving on. They are absolutely all buying into Jason Kidd's smothering, sort of hands-on defense. They got the Grizz to commit 17 turnovers in that game. And remember, this is a team with guys like Tyus Jones, who lead the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. who, who, Who committed the ninth fewest turnovers last year, despite having human highlight reels like jaw and Desmond Bain. So I was wondering how they could score. Who would it be to take the offensive load and share it with Luca? Is it going to be Dinwiddie? Is it going to be Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is it going to be Jaden Hardy? Is it going to be, I don't know, some other person that we haven't thought about, some other wing, some other guard? And now I have my answer. It's Christian Wood. It is Christian Wood. It's true. It is true. He has transformed this team in the few games that he's been on the team. Coming off the bench, he's put up 25 points per game, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. He's got the second highest player efficiency rating right behind Giannis at the moment. Is that that good? I think that's pretty good. And then when he and Luca are on the floor together, let's talk about that, because how they coexist is even more important than how they function separately. They have 147.6 offensive rating, which has got to be the highest I've ever seen in print in my life. Honestly. They've got a 32 net rating. That is silly. That is so stupidly high. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Ridiculous. In terms of their chemistry. And remember, KP and Luka never really fit, right? Even when KP Porzingis was healthy, it just felt clunky. It just felt forced. But with with Christian Wood, I have seen some highlights from Luca I've had to watch over and over and over again. Go on Twitter and find them. Go on the TikTok feed and find them because they have been amazing. And it feels like what Christian Wood can do is more than we knew. He can do it as a threat attacking off the catch. You can tell that he thrives around the rim as a finisher. He's a, a really good good in he's really good in isolation. He's good in post up scoring. He's actually looked really good as a third ball handler. And if you've seen any of Christian Woods pressers, oh boy, he looks like he's been set free for the first time. He looks like he's playing basketball that's fun for the first time. He said the word fun in his presser like 10 times. Going from Detroit to Houston to now playing with Luka Doncic, that'll do that for you, I guess, right? That'll do that. And so I'm rarely surprised at how a team is gonna use a player, how well they'll work in the system. But even even for me, a Christian Wood fan, I have to say, I did not see this coming. I think he's going to win sixth man of the year. We have two predictions. We have Laurie Markkinen, most improved, and we have Christian Wood, sixth man. Another added benefit for the Mavs, they are rebounding their asses off right now. And that's Christian Wood and JaVale McGee as well. And if you remember, that was a main issue for them in the playoffs where they lost the rebounding battle by like 7-11. to 11. Every single series, even against the Utah Jazz, seven rebounds per game, they were in the deficit. So this team's probably going to be a top three rebounding team in the West. News is that the Mavs aren't done. They are looking for another asset to target at the deadline to take them over the top. Hang on. Hang on to your hats, people. The West just got way more intriguing two games into the season. Just like the Jazz, I think we all expected the San Antonio Spurs to be one of the top teams in the West, right, at this stage. <laughs> I was probably literally one of the only media members that declared my unabiding affection for this group of young, super athletic players. But even me, the San, new San Antonio, new San Antonio Spurs fan, because the, whatever they were doing before, fuck that. That was some boring, boring basketball. But I am stunned at how well they're playing. The problem, though, I think is is this. They could be too good. They could be too good for Victor Wameyama. They need to lose more games. These are critical moments for them, especially in the beginning of the year. No one's going to... No one's going to accuse you of tanking too early. It's like, oh, we're still getting things in place. Like, we're still massaging our lineup. We've got guys in the G League. Yeah, we're losing some games. Yeah, we're 0-14. But, like, the Pelicans were last year. They made it to the playoffs. See what I mean? Like, you can't be winning games early. Because by the end of the season, this is when you're supposed to have it figured out. Pop said that we should not be placing any bets on them to win, win it all this year. But I am... I am, I am very stunned. I was very unprepared for this type of tempo. Because t- Pop said, we're going to play fast, we're going to play fast. And it's like, yeah, but you always play like molasses. So what am I supposed to really believe? Is it a normal pace? No, they are fast. Other teams are unprepared for these Spurs. Wins over the Pacers, wins over the Sixers on the road, set up by fast starts that gave them big first-half leads. And this team is deep, too. They have they played 12 guys against the Sixers with everyone contributing to offset you know, Joel Embiid's 40, 13, and three night. You've got Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell is a guy that probably casual fans don't even know. If you're not a Spurs fan, I'm. this might be the first time you're even he- hearing that name. Mm-hmm. Man, can he ball. 22 that night, 9 for sh- 14 shooting against the Sixers. Whew. Sheesh, so good. Keldon Johnson just keeps getting better. Trey Jones is a clone, probably, of his brother, Tyus. Josh Primo coming along nicely. What they're going to have to do, they're going to have to get rid of all those older veteran players that are playing a lot of minutes getting them wins, like Jakob Purtle, He's got to go. Josh Richardson, you got to go. Dougie Buckets, too many buckets for you. You got to go to another team. If you want really a chance to develop your young guys, you really want a chance for Victor Womanyama, which, let's be honest, that would make Greg Popovich so happy. He would be, he'd probably coach another 10 years if he got Victor Wambiyama. No, make no bones about it. You're. This is going to be an arms race for tanking, and you need to season your kids, and you're going to need a fighting chance at Victor. Victor and Pop on this team with even more trade assets next year when they trade Pirtle and Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott, that may be trouble. That might be a rebuild that happens faster than you could even say Spurs. Definitely a team I I don't actually expect to win meaningful games, but they have been very scrappy and surprisingly electric.